you got your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. I know it says another verse. We're going to preach from there, but I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 first. And you know, while we're turning there, um, you know, to be part of the church, the body of Christ, I think that song tells us so much. I'd like to read something where that song comes from. It's called the Revelation Song. It comes from the, the picture of the throne of God and what John the Apostle was able to see on that great large day when God gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ and showed him the future. That one day the church, the true church, those blood-bought, spirit-filled, sealed until the day of redemption, saints of God will, will gather to the one who made it all possible. And it says, as you're turning there, just listen to this. I want to read it to you. John said, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. That's the fullness, the completeness, the number of God, the fullness of the Spirit sent out. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. I don't know about y'all, but when I read that in a, that song, having being familiar with that passage, and I know that one day we're all going to be there. We're going to see that. What an awesome thought. And you know, as we look today, before we get into this, about the church, how to be blessed. Today we are going to preach out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 primarily. But I want to talk to us about if you're going to be blessed, you're going to have to be committed to the Lord. Uh, if there's something missing in the church today, it's true commitment to Christ. To where we are committed to Him. And where do you show that commitment at? Well, you know, we looked last week at honoring and respecting the Lord, being reverent to Him. And certainly, we're going to have to honor him and respect him by showing that reverence that we talked about last week. But if you want to be blessed for the new year, you got to understand something. Jesus died for the church. He loves the church. The church is his very body. And I want to talk to us this morning about the importance of loving and supporting the Lord's church and being committed to it. And first of all, you got to be a member of the church. Amen. And so we're going to look this morning for a little while about love and support the Lord's church, being committed. You know, we live in a day and time that the mindset, the attitude of the American society and culture, which is to, what do I get out of it? This consumer mentality has entered into the church. Yes, the church is here and the church serves you and the church is here to be a blessing to you. But never ever forget that we are expected also 
to be a blessing back to our God. Jesus said that he is Lord, which that makes us servants. And so we are here to serve the Lord and to love and support the church. Now I want you to look right quick with me at what God did for us through his son Jesus. When you look at Ephesians chapter 2, it's my favorite picture in the New Testament of the church, the body of Christ. If you look in verse 19 of chapter 2, we're going to just look at this right quick. It says, now therefore, now therefore, when you see that now therefore, that means therefore what? What he's talking about preceding this. He says, now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners. Never forget until Jesus' blood redeemed us, until his spirit came into us, we were separated from God. Now I want you to see what he says right here. Now therefore you are no longer strangers. We used to be strangers and foreigners, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. And I want you to look up above here. Look at what it says. It says, therefore remember, in verse 11, therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, we were all at one time Gentiles, and that word was the nations, the pagans, those who were without God. The only people who had God at that time were the Jews. And he says, therefore remember that you once Gentiles, that's the pagan nations in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision. We didn't have the covenant mark of circumcision. We were not in covenant with God by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Look at verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ. What did that mean to be without Christ? Well, we were aliens, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. We had no promises to claim, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where everyone is today outside of Jesus. They're without hope. They're without God. They have no claim to the covenant promises of the Bible. They are strangers. They are separated, aliens without Christ. That's where they are. But look at what it says. But now, look at verse 13. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. People who are in the church are people who are brought so near to God you have a relationship with Him. He's your father and you're His child. And you get to talk to Him and He listens to you. And an amazing thing is that He talks back to us through the Word of God and by His Spirit. And how many of you realize the difference it made when you got to Calvary, amen? When you got saved, you were far from God. He was a God who you heard about, who you had thought about, but until you know Him. And listen to what it says right there. But now in Christ Jesus, 13, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at what it says when you get down to verse 18. For through Him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. He's talking about the Jew and the Greek, the Gentile. And that's what he's talking about. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens with the saints, and we are members of the household of God. We represent many different households this morning. But guys, we're all members of the Lord's home and household through Christ. And look at what it says. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We're built upon, as the church, upon the foundation of the apostles, what they taught 
and the four gospels and the epistles, but also on the prophets and the Old Testament scriptures, the word of God. And let's go what he says. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. God is looking at us today as he puts us together. He saves us through the blood of Jesus as a temple, a place where he dwells. God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in his people. And look at what he says. And whom also you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now what a privilege it is to be a part of that awesome truth. That we are the dwelling place of God. We're being built together. We're being placed together. We are the church. Church is so much more than going and hearing your songs that you like to hear. Or hearing preaching that you like to hear. Church is where God gathers to manifest and reveal his presence upon the earth. Guys, out of all the things that could be going on today, even good things that are used to serve and sometimes even represent God, God has said and God has determined that upon this earth, the place where he will dwell, where he will manifest his presence and show his glory is in the church. There's good things that can happen. You know, God didn't say he's going to serve and save the Lord through the Mason's Lodge, though Masons can do good things. Someone asked me one time, what do you think about the Mason's Lodge? And I was thinking and talking to a Mason. And I said, you know, why would you go down there and serve God in a place where all of the glory and all the recognition goes to a Mason? Because anything God does, the glory has to go to Jesus. And if you go any place and do things for God and the glory is not given to Jesus, you're not the church. The church is here to glorify God, the YMCA, the Salvation Army. They do good things, but God said, I'm going to redeem the earth. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to make my gospel known through my church. And I don't know about y'all, but I heard an old preacher say when I first got saved, I'll never forget, he was an old black preacher. He said, if the church ain't your mama, the Lord ain't your daddy. And I don't know about y'all, I love the church. And I think if you've been saved by the church, I mean by the Lord, you ought to be part of the Lord's church. So I want to show you today that the first thing you got to do if you're going to be committed to the church, if you'll look with me in the book of Hebrews, after what he did for us, we who were far off, he has brought near. In the book of Hebrews, listen to what it says. It says in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. You see, we were without hope without Christ. Now with Jesus, the one that we have confessed our hope in, we have one who's promised us to be faithful. Look at that, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised us is faithful. Jesus has promised us many things in the church. And I want you to look at what it says. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting, that means encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day that Jesus is coming back. I don't know about y'all, but this Sunday is one Sunday closer to the day Jesus comes back. I can promise you that's true. <laughs> 
When's he coming back? I don't know, but next Sunday's going to even be another closer day. And one day between this Sunday and next Sunday, he's coming. Can I get an amen? So because he's coming, it's important that we come somewhere. Where do we? We come to church. We gather together in his name. I want you to look at this. This is the New Living Translation. This is the easy to understand translation, you might think. And let us think of ways. That's what he says. Let us stir one another. Why do we start one? To let us think of ways to motivate one another. See, we are to be motivating one another. I don't know about y'all. How many of you need motivation? You need encouragement to keep walking with Jesus. If you're out there by yourself and you're isolated, you're an easy target to the devil. The devil loves to get people isolated and alone where he can slap, lie to you. And friends, when you're together, there's strength. And friends, listen, let us think of ways, let us stir one another to motivate one another. Why? To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not forsake, as some people do, but encourage one another. I don't know about y'all, but when God does something at church, if you're not here, you don't see it. <laughs> Hearing about it ain't the same as seeing it. Can I get an amen? And friends, I don't know about y'all, but Brother Witt's back today. Amen? Praise God. I don't know about y'all. It blessed my heart when I seen him come through the door. Friends, listen. Also today, there's others sick. Brother Dickie ain't here. But Brother Dickie called me yesterday saying, I sure wish I could be there. I don't know about y'all. But just think what it would be like if you no longer could go to church. Friends, I don't know about you, but I thank God that at the church is a place when I come that I'm stirred. I'm motivated more than any other place I go all week. How about you? If you go to work, thank God you get a check. You got some friends you hang around with, they might like you and put up with you. But friends, there's things that only can happen in your life that can only happen when you go to church. And we have forgotten the importance. These lone rangers that think they can serve the Lord without the church have forgotten that the reason you serve the Lord is to be the church. To come to church and listen, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to acts of love. We are to love one another. Now I want you to be honest. How hard is it to love other people? Pretty hard, ain't it? Sometimes it's hard to love those who even love you. And guys, I don't know about you. If we're going to love everyone the way God wants us to, we're going to need motivation. We're going to need stirring. But listen, not only does he say that we're to love one another, we're to love in a way that we actually do things for one another. Good works. Friends, listen, let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not forsake, because for us to be able to keep acts of love that encourage us and good works that help one another, you got to come together and be encouraged. Because I don't know about y'all, but the days are evil and the time are short and Jesus' return is imminent. He's coming. And our only chance to bring him glory, our only chance to serve him, some people to be reached is now, today, while we can. And so we need to look at ways to honor the Lord. Friends, if you're going to be blessed this year, it's going to be hard to be blessed the way God wants you to be blessed if you leave church out of your Spiritual walk with the Lord. I want you to think about this. How many of you has ever come to church when you didn't feel like coming? Now, some of y'all need to repent. 
How many of you went to church because you know that's what committed people do? And how many of you came to church and you didn't feel like preaching? You didn't feel like singing? But you said, Lord, I'm going to do it anyway. You didn't feel like teaching the youth no Sunday school. You didn't even want to see no youth. But when you got here, it was the very person you didn't feel like ministering to that said something to you, that stirred you, that motivated you to want to love somebody, to want to do good work. You see, there's a lot of times I would have messed up and missed something that God wanted to do because I went around God's people, not because I wanted to, but I've been here long enough to realize I need to. Can I get an amen? When knowing I need y'all the most is when I don't want you. <laughs> when I want to be around you the least is when I most need to have you. Because when you get it in your heart that I want to be by myself, I just want to stay alone, you are dangerous thinking. Friends, if we only came to church when we wanted to come to church, a lot of times we wouldn't come. And friends, there's been times when I came that I was supposed to be here. I wanted to be here. I was filled up with the Holy Ghost. I was pumped up with a word that's preached. And I came to motivate. Amen. I came to stir. I came to help people see that they're loved and to do good works. But there's sometimes when I come, I need encouraging. But you know what? I can't encourage you. I can't motivate you if I ain't here. But you can't motivate and encourage me if you ain't here. Guys, it is important, utmost, the most important thing you'll ever do for church is be here. Come. Wherever God has told you to plant, to root, and blossom, you need to come and let Jesus' grace grow you. Because people are watching you. I don't know about you, it encourages me this morning to see people here. It stirs me to have People that want to be here. And friends, listen, we need to realize that we don't need to neglect, we don't need to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. There's nothing that will break your heart more than when you come to church and no one's there. And friends, not that we're just there, but that we love one another, that we do good works for one another. And friends, what makes people that way? Well, I want to talk to us this morning about what does committed people look like in the church? How do you stay committed? Well, the first thing people do Biblical values of the committed people, I want to share these core values with you right quick, is that they put Christ first in their life. You see, we come to church not because what church does for us, but for what Christ, the head of the church, has already done for us. And you don't come only because of what the church, if you only come because what the church provides, you'll be let down. But if you come because of what Jesus provides, you're going to get encouraged. You're going to get motivated. You're going to experience those acts of love. And you're going to also realize that God has good works in store for us. And friends, listen, you've got to put Christ first in your life. That's the first and most important thing you have to do if you're going to be blessed. And guys, listen, people who have put Christ first... Sunday is not an option. I love what this old man at my other church did. He's got these kids, and they were all my neighbors, and he was a church member. His name was Brother Bob Ross. Y'all have heard me talk about him many times. He was, he, was as, he was as close to being too legalistic as you can get and still be spiritual. He was like a very conservative-type Christian, come out of an old 
independent Baptist church. He, he, he didn't like me because I had a beard at first. He didn't like me because I didn't always wear a suit. He didn't like me even less because I didn't preach out a King James Bible. I preached out that new one. You ought to get a real King James. But he loved Jesus. But I'm going to tell you one thing he did one time, and it cracked me up. His kids went and bought a camper. I mean a big one. Had to pop outside. They had it set out front. And man, I seen it. I went over there. I said, man, Vance and Rhonda done got him a camper. He was mad as a hornet. He said, yep, and I told them the first time that they got them grandkids in it on Sunday instead of church, they out the wheel and everything's going to the grandkids. <laughs> he said, that ain't nothing but a steal your Sunday worship. That right there is a sub. They're going to be at a campground before the end of next year. He said, they aren't already got people that go to, to the campground. And he said, and they trying to tell me, oh, they have a church service at the campground. He said, that ain't what God called them to do. He said, God gave him a church home and a church family. You know what? That sounds legalistic, but I'll tell you what. How easy is it to substitute church? People say, I can worship Jesus just as good in a boat on the lake as I can in church. You can. And you might catch a limit. You might catch the biggest bass you ever caught, but there's some things that God only does here this morning and not on the lake. And anybody knows that I like going on the lake. Some people say, I can worship God at vacation. You know what I think? If you go on vacation, that's good. You get to go somewhere else. You get to hang out with your family. But they got churches wherever you go. God still expects to be worshipped on Sunday. I don't think if you go on vacation for a week, that means you lay out of church for a week. I think you go to church. Church is that important, and I'm going to tell you why. If church is not a priority in your life, Christ really ain't. And you know what your kids need to see? Jesus is more important than killing bucks. Jesus is more important than catching fish. Jesus is more important than vacations and campouts. Jesus is first. And if church ain't first on Sunday morning, it's hard to make them realize Jesus is first. Can I get an amen? Jesus is first. At our house, church is not an option. Church is an expectation. When we first got at our new church, my first church, we was living down there amongst all Diane's kinfolks. And they would have birthday parties on Sunday. And they'd want us to go to them. And we wouldn't go. And we'd say, y'all need to have them on Saturday. Because Sunday we got church. We can't go. Too many times what we do is we give in to the world. And we give in to them. And how are we going to tell them Christ is first when we're willing to substitute what Christ has said is first? On Sunday morning, the Lord's day, the place for us to be is church if Jesus is first. Jesus is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have second place, first place, that's preeminence. And guys, listen, that should be a value of a committed Christian. Look at this. They also give God their best. They don't just come to church. They come to church to give God everything they've got. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. You know what? When we came here today, I'm glad some of y'all like me. Hopefully some of you love me. Most of you love me. But if you come here because of a preacher, you won't come here long. You come here, and if you do what you do because of what the people here are, no, we do what we do because of Jesus. You won't serve the Lord long if you're doing it for men and their applause and their attention. You see, we got to do it for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. 
regardless of what men say about you, what really matters at the end is what the Lord knows about you. It's not our reputation. It's our character. It's who we are. And we'll never have the character and the integrity that God wants us to have unless we're doing it with all of our hearts for him and not what men think. See, I can make y'all tricked. I can make y'all think I did a lot, I do, but the Lord knows everything. You see, someone said character integrity is not what men think about you. It's what the Lord knows you really are. And for that to really be a reality to where Jesus is first, you got to work at the Lord's work with all your heart. And guys, they give God their best. They put Jesus first. And look, they support God's church. This is how we're going to be blessed as a church family. Everybody should be praying for God's will in Bethany Baptist Church. Not what we want, but what he wants. And I don't know about you, but how often do you pray for this church, for the body, for the believers here? And I don't mean we're going to pray for everybody individually. We should pray for the prayer list. We should be praying for someone like Brother Witt. How many of you have been praying? That's the answered prayer. Amen. He come through the door this morning. Brother Dickey, we ought to pray for him this week. I want to thank y'all. Y'all been praying for our family. And Lauren had a strapping, healthy, 7.2-pound, 20-inch young lad day before yesterday. After 32 hours of labor, somebody didn't pray hard enough, apparently. <laughs> But he came, and now we have a new addition to the family, Diane's great-grandma again, and we have a young man named Holden Gregory McMullen upon the earth. And I want to thank everyone for praying because it was a difficult one. But also Nick went to his first chemo this week, and not only did he go, but he had zero problems. He felt well. He's doing wonderful. And so I want to thank you for that. You know what? But praying daily is wonderful for one another, but what we need to pray for is for God's will. Remember what Jesus said? Not my will, but thy will be done. And pray. You know what else? Just what it goes back to. If we're going to support God's church, we need to attend all the services, all the classes, all the events. If we have a beast feast, guess what? You can't have it with just a couple of men. Last year, we didn't have near enough. <laughs> so if we don't get enough men interested to do it, we really, should we do it? We got to do it with the best that we can. We got to give Jesus first. But listen, attending all services. Oh, they can set it this way and why not? If the church has a rat killing, you ought to be there. <laughs> if the church thinks it's big enough and important enough to do it, if you're a member, we ought to come. But guys, listen, that's just what we're talking about in Hebrews 24. Do not neglect the gathering of ourselves together. There's many a times if you stay out, you'll miss something that God does that would have encouraged you that would have stirred you, that would have motivated you, that you'd experienced the love, the acts of love that God does. So we need to do that. But listen, we need to understand that God expects all of us to grow spiritually. By seeking spiritual growth and maturity, if you don't come to church, if you don't study the Bible, if you don't come to Bible study, become part of a small group. Your spiritual growth is going to be limited. I want to ask you this. How many of you understand that spending time with God, in the Word of God, in prayer, is essential to the point of it's a necessity to grow spiritually. Amen? But you know something else? If you do that all by yourself and you're never in fellowship with fellow believers, there's some things you'll never be able to put into practice that the Bible's going to teach you to do. Because you know what? Sooner or later, the Bible's going to tell you to serve. 
in the church, to use your spiritual gifts. Look at that next thing, sharing their spiritual gifts, talents, and finances with the church. You can't do that if you're by yourself. God expects us. You know what it says? Love one another. That's one of the most important things to do. Well, it's hard to love one another when you ain't here. And so loving one another causes you to have to grow, causes you to have to mature, serving, using your spiritual gifts and your talents, all of that. And then also by supporting the leaders. The leaders seek God. They pray. They ask God to give them vision. They seek the word of God and pray. And as God gives vision and he leads the church, guess what? You can't go if you're by yourself. Who are you leading? And you know, it's been a great blessing to me so far to know that people have supported financially for the vision for where God's bringing us from here to back there. People are supported to come and help. But guys, listen, as we go forward, we got to support our leaders. A Sunday school teacher that studies all week and shows up and no one ever comes. How long do you think he's going to keep doing that? But when he comes and you're there, you're helping to support that work. So by praying daily, attending all the services, by seeking spiritual growth and maturity and sharing their spiritual gifts, what God's give you the ability to serve back, helps you to support God's church. You see, the church can't make it with just a preacher and a worship leader. The church is only what the people in the church make it. You know the most important thing about the church? You may think it's the preacher, and that is important. I understand that. You may think it's the music, and that's important, but I understand that. But you can have one of the best preachers that's ever preached, the most gifted pulpiteer that you can find. You can have the type of person that is extraordinarily talented, that can sing, that can play, but if you got people who don't have a love for God and a commitment for God, there ain't going to be no church. The church is dependent more on people than it is the leaders. So if you don't support your leaders by following them and coming, there is no church. I don't know about y'all, but thank God for people that say, amen. There ain't many going on today, amen. <laughs> That's a good thing. Sick them, preacher. We agree with you, preacher. You know, that's the way you support the church. But you know, thank God we got a lot of that going on here. And praise the Lord, he's blessing. But I want you to think about this. They promote and protect the church. You ever thought about that? Do you realize there's an enemy that doesn't want us to make it back to the back? Do you think Satan's just sitting down there and he ain't thinking about how to stop Bethany from moving forward? Do you think he's not looking for weak links among us? People who aren't mature? People who aren't in unity, friends, I want to tell you what. How we react to others is the most important part about being in the church. You see a church filled with people who murmur and complain all the time? Who wants to go to a church where people is always complaining? Have you ever been around people like that? There's some people when you see them coming, you start praying. <laughs> how can I get out of here? There's some people that you never ask them how you're doing. You, you, you just don't ask that question because they'll tell you for 15 minutes. <laughs> but friends, listen, we should be people who refuse to partake of that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier to complain and murmur than it is to praise and to encourage. Can I get an amen? And that verse we started out with said that do not forsake yourself to come together, but 
to not neglect it, but to come to what? Encourage one another, to exhort one another, to what? To motivate and stir one another so that we can do good works and love. Friends, listen, the easiest thing to do is to get caught up in gossip. We need to refuse to gossip. And now with these verses here, if you want to write them down and look them up, but let me tell you something. Someone told me one time, it wasn't gossip, it was true. No, if it wasn't true, it's worse than gossip. It's slander according to the Word of God. It can be true as the sun came up this morning. And if it's something you ought not be talking about, truth has nothing to do with whether it's gossip or not. Truth can be gossip. What makes it gossip is when someone shows up, do you have to quit telling that truth? The truth God wants proclaimed can be proclaimed from the housetop, from the rooftop, from the pulpit. See, Gossip is anything we're telling, whether true or false, that don't need to be told. And so when someone's doing that kind of stuff in the church, how do you support church? How do you have the church? You reject these type people because gossip is not usually promoted for like we like to say, well, you know, I got a prayer to let you know about. <laughs> Rejecting divisive people. How do you reject divisive people? You don't tell them. You don't. You just say, look. I don't agree with what you're saying. We need to all love and move forward. I'm not going to talk about that and be committed to that. By responding positively to negative spirited people, that's how we do it. Now, I want to ask you something. Have you ever met someone who keeps coming to you telling all these people's coming to me complaining and all these people's coming to me and they're whining and all these people are dumping all this garbage on me? You know why? If you're willing to receive it, they're going to find an outlet to give it. You know what I find? If they come to you once or twice, you say, you know what? I don't like hearing all that old negative stuff. You need to go talk to him. If you're mad with him, go share that. You need to talk to the preacher. You need to go talk to the deacon. I ain't getting mixed up with all this gossip. I ain't, you know what? You do that once or twice, guess what? They're going somewhere else. If people are constantly coming to you to gossip, that's because you're a gossiper. You see, gossip doesn't just come from people saying it. Gossip has to have someone to receive it. And friends, the church today, majority of the things that stop the church from being blessed, it's not big major sins, it's this. It's saying things that don't need to be said, creating atmosphere and problems that could have been easily avoided by just being positive and spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have a choice to confront something and deal with it, but do it in a godly way. Because I want you to see something. For the church to be blessed, we all agree that we should seek to win others to Christ. Can I get an amen? But I want you to think about this. We should all strive to be a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. What's that look like? Everything we just looked at. A dedicated follower of Jesus puts Jesus first. He gives Jesus his best. He loves and supports his church by being there, by supporting what the church is doing. He's going to give of his spiritual abilities and serve back to the church. He's going to give of his possessions and bless the church because all of this has to be happening if this can happen. If we have division and divisiveness and gossiping going on, you can forget people being one for Christ. Because listen, when they come, how do we get them to come? By witnessing and sharing the gospel, by inviting others to church. Now, I'll share something. If you get invited to a church and when you get there, everybody's sitting like this. You ever went to church and no one told you good morning? You ever went to church and 
Everybody looked at you like, what are you doing here? You see, we do sometimes treat people like visitors instead of guests. That's why I like to look at it as they're a guest. A guest is someone that you're excited to see. A visitor is someone you'd be glad when they leave. Amen? <laughs> I've been a visitor before. I know what it feels like. When someone comes here, we ought to do everything we can to strive to make them want to come back. How do you do that? Well, you don't have a bad spirit. You don't talk about things we shouldn't talk about. We're positive. We're excited. We love the Lord. We support. When they look around and see everybody in full of the joy of supporting, well, guess what? The church is going to be blessed. If our church is blessed, we're going to be blessed by accepting new members. You know the biggest test that's coming for us? If God does what we think he's going to do, we're going to go from this to twice of this possibly. We've been having like 130. If we start having 200, guess what? You put two new fish in a tank, and there's some stuff that can happen, amen? I made that mistake one time. My mama had an aquarium. I come home with a little bass about that long. I was proud of my little bass. I put it in the aquarium. By the time my mama realized it was in the aquarium, we didn't have but one fish. You know why? He wasn't a team player. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about him. And that's how it is. If in church is all about me, what I can get, what I get, the appetite is to fill my belly, guess what? You're going to ruin the church. But we all in the same tank. We're all in this together, amen? So we got to think about others by accepting new members, not eating them, <laughs> loving them. I don't know how that came out. But it's a good illustration, ain't it? How many of you went to church and got to eat by a bass? <laughs> Friends, listen. We need to be people who strive to be dedicated followers, witness and share the gospel, inviting others to our church. We want them here. Making them feel welcome when they get here by accepting them. And to do that, once they're here, we got to be the kind of church I'm talking about. And that's the kind of church that God blesses. Look what Jesus did for us. Certainly the least we can do for him is to love everybody the way he wants us to love them. You know, we look at this next week. We're going to look again at honoring the Lord with our possessions, being generous. Week after that, we're going to look at, you know, being involved. The church needs people that are involved. And all of it comes down to being biblical. We know all this is biblical, amen? And we know we need to be doing it. Today we're going to stand together. We're going to have a time of invitation. I want you to think about something. How thankful are you for the church? How often do you think about the difference and the importance the church makes in your life? I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for Jesus every day. But I can honestly say I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for you. And I hope that you are part of what God is doing. Maybe he's telling you today to join this church. Maybe he's telling you today to get saved and come forward and give your life to Christ. Or maybe today you're already a part of this church and he's leading you in some of these areas that you need to listen to God. But if we will let God have his way and put Jesus first, give him our best, support the church, we will be blessed, I promise you in our experience here with God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we bow today,
and we gather in this place. Help us to understand the importance of being together in unity, loving one another, gathering here to motivate, to stir, to encourage us so that, Lord, we are ready for the day when you come to receive the body. Lord, as we gather in this place, there's somebody here today who needs to be saved. Help them to understand that Christ died for them and help them to be there, give their life to you. And for those of us who are saved, help us to renew those commitments to you and to your church and to serve you and do the things we've just listened to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.